راديو الساحل الثالث بأس. تيسان حيان تيين شوين تي. تريتي راديو باس جيتاري. باسيسير باس راديو كاتيرو. What it is, y'all? Third Coast Base Radio, Season 3, Episode 28. It's your boy's Metaphysic. Yo, it's good, everybody. Your friend Kid Luna here. And yo, we got a special episode in store. While I'm out in Cancun for a wedding, Kid Luna took over the channel with two super special guests. We have Panic Pop and Six Stroke. And honestly, the music speaks for itself. So, yo, without further ado, let's hop in it.
Radio.
this time but we're trying something a little new we got some fresh people in here with some super sexy beats super sex <laughs> like right now the first one we're going to get into the little bit chill vibey some chill breaks you know i want to let them go ahead and introduce themselves um i'll let you go ahead and state your name first yeah, um, my name is Panic Pop. Um, I am a future funk and vaporwave producer from Toronto, Canada. Um, yeah, love me some uh, classic PS1 driving OST sounds and early 80s post-disco. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you couldn't have said it better, honestly. It's like going through my notes and you like hit like <laughs> four of the keywords I was thinking of listening to that mix. Um, we also got a very heavy, gritty, also 8-bit, you know, 4-4 four, four on the floor. I was really surprised on this mix. Uh, it kind of took me on a journey there. Um, they would like to be known as Six, but I'll let them say their whole name and where they hail from. Hey, guys, my name is Six Stroke. I am a multi-genre producer and DJ from Toronto. Um, I kind of have taken my inspirations in terms of my music from all over the place, you know, uh, Japanese culture, video game music, um, sort of the color base uh, movement that's going on right now. And, uh, you know, I, I sort of started making like dancey, chiptune future based stuff, but I'm kind of redefining myself this year and, and moving towards sort of like a speed house, color base hybrid. So that's super exciting. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, man, that's, that was crazy too. <laughs> Thank you. Cause I'm just like, um, I was, I know you said you had a little th something going on with, um, little Texas. So when I heard that, like the tempo starting to speed up, I'm like, Oh, don't tell me he's going to get to 200 <laughs> and well, we got there. So but we'll, we'll get, we'll get to get to that. Yeah, man. Um, sure. but yeah, uh, so, uh, Pop Panic, or would you like to, uh, Panic Pop, sorry, it's a dyslexia. Um, would you like to tell me a little bit about yourself, uh, a little bit about your background? Yeah, um, 
Sorry about that. Yeah, no, um, I guess my bread and butter would be, uh, I guess, future funk. Takes a lot of inspiration from a French house, I guess, growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, the most, def- I guess, defining music I consumed um, was stuff like Daft Punk's Discovery, you know, the early to mid-2000s, like Electro House movement, the French electro stuff all of the ed banger label justice mr wazo sebastian and then you know i was also a weeb too you know i guess kind of similar to the upbringing uh that uh cohen had here as a canadian you know being exposed to a lot of just like television anime the osts really banging and just like you know kind of getting your little collection in your head of like you know your choice picks and then having where i guess what drives what i do now is kind of having both those elements meet in the middle um Mm -hmm. because uh future funk is very sample heavy and whatnot so maybe even some of the most defining uh songs within the genre are sampled from anime ost so kind of marrying the 80s disco groove with a punchy compressed sort of like hype sounds of the mid-2000s electro so i just uh definitely Kind of let those pillars of uh, young me kind of shine through in what I do now. Yeah, I actually had took a few notes of um, for both of these mixes. Um, I was working on the cover, but I started playing Kirby. And yeah, for one of the notes I had for you as I was listening to, it's like a futuristic, like uh, French inspired, like disco with like a touch of kawaii ness. So talking mm-hmm. about like Ed Bangler Records and um daft punk and just like all those guys like yeah i can definitely see where that uh stem from like i felt like as soon as i was listening to the mix it kind of felt like i had some big ass headphones in the tokyo <laughs> subway it was mm-hmm. big vibe though i enjoyed it thank you thank you um what about yourself uh six uh tell me a little bit about yourself and your background yeah for sure so um i originally started out as a dj when in about 2011 when dubstep was getting kind of like mainstream attention and um you know i was i was listening to all sorts of stuff like uh your classic like dead mouse and your bass boosted inspector gadget dubstep remix (laughs) that kind of shit and then um yeah yeah so i i was like man i kind of want to dj so i started um you know i downloaded some youtube rips and i downloaded like an iphone app to like mess around with like effects and see if I could mix stuff together. And um, after a few years of that, I kind of started to get get into like house music and, um, you know, uh, hard style, weirdly enough. I, a friend of mine took me to like a hard style rave and that kind of like blew my mind. I was like, wow, like this whole world is so crazy. You know, the stuff that yeah. you never play on the radio, it's, there's so much music out there. And, um, yeah, and then, I mean, you know, future bass and Kauai bass kind of music sort of started to take off in, like, 2014, 2015, I'd say. And mm-hmm. and then I kind of started basing my sound around that a little bit. I actually originally started out making, like, lo-fi beats, and uh, I called it, like, down-tempo stuff. And then, because mm-hmm. that's all I really knew how to make. And then I, I was like, okay, I actually want to make, like, dance stuff and a lot of my really early dance stuff is is quite bad it's like bad to the point where it's not on the internet but you know (laughs) 
then, uh, and then, yeah, I, I kind happens. of focused. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, I'm just saying it happens. Yeah. Yeah. I got to start somewhere. Exactly. And then I kind of focused up my sound on sort of like, um, like 175 rave stuff in like 2017, mm-hmm. 2018. Cause I found that that kind of music got a really good response and it was a lot of the stuff that I was DJing around that time. So, you know, I was always sort of constantly progressing in terms of like what my quote unquote sound was. And mm-hmm. when I kind of started making that 175 stuff in 2018, it, it started to feel like that sort of started to feel where I belonged. Cause like, I was never great at making future bass. I was never great at making house music, but you know, UK hardcore, happy hardcore, sort of like future core stuff. Like I, I love that kind of music. So a lot of my inspiration was taken from, you know, sort of those early um, when happy hardcore was kind of infusing like electro house elements just at a really mm-hmm. fast tempo. Oh yeah. No, I feel like we're uh, kind of on off the same boat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For sure. And, um, and then, yeah. And then I guess just, sort of cut to like 2019, 2020, I was sort of working on a multi-genre album. And uh, and then I was kind of bouncing all over the place, doing a little bit of future funk, doing, um, I played cyberpunk and made like a techno EP, you know, but nice. it, it's cool, but it's just like, I really feel like I got to finally like focus up on one specific genre. And and I, I'm kind of trying to redefine, as I said before, you know, redefine myself mm-hmm. And um, and try and land on sort of like a 150 to 175 uh, speed house, future bass, color bass infused type of like chip tune sound, mm-hmm. and uh, I think that's definitely the direction I want to go in the future. Yeah, that was uh, pretty. That was pretty much this entire mix. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so um panic pop did you uh do you have like any previous musical history like were you classical trained or were you like in a band or choir or like self-taught or anything like that if anything i definitely am self-taught it's kind of funny um a friend of mine asked a similar question to me last night Mm -hmm. um oddly enough no you know I began actually producing and getting like productive and turning my brain on to music at the age of 25, if anything. So mm, if anyone's you. like, oh man, I missed the boat. It's like, bro, I was a whole ass. <laughs> so no excuses out here. Um, but yeah, no, I guess I still really appreciated music and was obsessed with music enough so that like, you know, I'd even be like, I'd re-listen to a song like six times just so I could focus on what certain elements were doing and whatnot. And like, I remember just, there was an interesting feature in the game Rock Band where like if you go Mm -hmm. into practice mode and then you can just practice a particular instrument and then like if you just don't hit any notes, that element doesn't play. So you just kind of hear the rest Mm -hmm. of the elements of a song being played. So I just like, I was just fascinated by what the addition of subtraction of the various elements of song, you know, do. So then by the time, like, I actually did feel empowered enough, because it's like, ugh, there's so much to music, you know, because it's like, you you can, I feel like my greatest strength is creativity. I am mm-hmm. rife with it. But when it comes to, like, technical aspects and being able to communicate, like, you know, <clears throat> specificities of like what con like the construct of this creativity is oh man i I, I don't know shit 
So yeah. Um, but in a way, by the time I did feel empowered, just because also too, like I started DJing like what at the age of twenty. So I had five years of DJing. So like in some aspect, I was like looking at waveforms and kind of understanding like what are the ingredients in the sandwich that is a song, you know. Mm-hmm. So years of listening to the just individual pieces of a song looking at waveforms that by the time i was ready i feel like i had enough in me to like i can understand what is being asked of me when it comes to like creating a song so most of my journey like years after like starting day one turning on my brain at the age of 25 so no necessary technical but just the absolute spirit mind and creativity was just there and i guess I mean, if anything, yeah. So if anything, I kind of like the fact that like I started later on in life because now I just kind of don't have any weird hangups of I should be X by X age or whatever. It's like, nah, man, this is just a journey that I'm going to carry on throughout life and wherever it goes, it goes. And hopefully, well, even though I didn't have the technical start that somewhere towards the end of the journey, that knowledge and the confidence will be there. Yeah, I can, I definitely see that, um, pretty much starting at that age because then you won't really have that you know looking back like well i dj'd for this long but i should have been doing this it's like oh i'm already like 20 like free i should just get it's like nah bro like what are you gonna do give up like when you're so young and then live 60 years of your life doing what you know what i mean like come on get out of here yeah um what about you six uh did you have um any classical training or anything like that yeah, I mean, not, uh, I mean, you're sort of traditional, like, you know, guitar lessons when you're a kid, piano mm-hmm. when you're a kid um, type thing. You know, I played music in school. I always loved music, but I was never committed enough to, like, learn an instrument properly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I picked up the drums. Well, I didn't pick up the drums. I'd be too heavy. I... <laughs> I started playing the drums <laughs> and <laughs> started playing the drums and uh, I loved that because you know it wasn't melodic it was all rhythm based and I you know it, it it just sort of spoke to me in a in a more deep way that I could understand as opposed to you know guitar where you gotta you know finger the different chords and you have to have a sort of understanding of music theory a little bit when you're a kid that's mm-hmm. the last thing you want to do you just want to play music so I mean after that, uh, I played in a band for a while. I did some singing uh, in a oh, band. Word. Yeah, and then I, I sing on my own tunes sometimes when it calls for it, but not not super often. Mm-hmm. Um, but then that's pretty cool, though. Yeah, thank you. And then uh, recently, I've just been trying to like self teach myself uh, keyboard or like the piano in general. Mm-hmm. And um, in the, I mean, when uh, the pandemic hit, I kind of. I said to myself, I'm like, you know, I'm going to focus up and really like self-teach myself music theory and, and, and learn to play the piano a lot better than I already do. And, or not already do, but like get a basic better understanding. Cause like, mm-hmm. you know, I could noodle around, but I didn't really know what I was actually doing. <laughs> so I wanted to have sort of a better understanding of like, okay, I'm actually going to, you know, I'm going to play the first chord and then I'm going to play the the fourth and the fifth and that kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, since I sort of started to teach myself keys, um, I've 
been taking, I feel like I've been taking more risks. I've been taking more risks in my music. Um, you know, doing things that are a little more uh, unexpected. Um, not always feeling like, oh, I got to play the right notes and only the right notes. It's like, you know, you can actually do stuff that's out of the key that sounds interesting and it's not technically incorrect. So a lot <clears throat> of that kind of thing um, has been really eye-opening since I started teaching myself piano. Yeah, that really, like, uh, identifying that really helps get over writer's block, you know? Yeah, Because you'll sure. have so much of a fear, like, well, uh, these chords need to go, they need to go a certain pattern, but then it's kind of predictable, and then you get stuck, oh, I don't want to be a predictable chord progression, and then before you know it, it's been like 40 minutes and you haven't progressed. Yeah, exactly. Anything, so. Um, yeah, it's not always easy to identify that, but yeah, it's, it's good to kind of go back to the basics. Um, I, I kind of did a little something myself during the pandemic as well. So, um, I can completely understand that. Yeah, for sure. I just had the time, you know, it was like, you know what, there's no, like, if I don't do it now, it's never going to happen kind of thing. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because I, I, if the pandemic didn't happen, like, yeah, I probably would have never done it. Like, nope. Mm -hmm. But for sure. Um, so let's talk about your moniker, man. Uh, speaking of a uh, six stroke, let's yeah, let's get sure. that moniker on Ken. How do you? How did you come up with that? Um, yeah, I actually so, don't know this one. Uh, it's kind of a funny and slightly embarrassing story, but uh, I've only ever told this to publicly one other time, but. Um, when I started DJing and started um, like making experimenting in in FL Studio and stuff, mm -hmm. um, I was under the moniker Splinter, but it was like it was really dumb. It was like open bracket SP uh, one I N T E R close bracket. <laughs> it was really like edge lord meme shit, but I I I was genuine. I meant it, so that's that's why it's cringy. Yeah, but um, yeah, that was like the <laughs> moniker I was going with, and and um, I was like, when I started to take music a little more seriously in like 2016, 2017, I was like, mm -hmm. okay, I need a better alias than this. So I have a buddy named Artifan who uh, that's his like that's his alias. Um, he, um, him, and I, I told him I'm like, bro, I need an I need a new alias, and it, it needs to be something unique. It needs good SEO, you know help me think of something. He's like, oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. So anyway, we're playing Grand Theft Auto 4, and um, mm -hmm. he just keeps, like, stumbling all over his words. He keeps, like, struggling. He can't get the words out. And I'm like, bro, what's wrong with you? He's like, oh, man, I just had six strokes. And he was like, oh, how about that? Six stroke. And I was like, oh, but it's got, like, an extra S in it. How about I take the S out? And then it's like, because the S is, is redundant because the X kind of makes, like, an S sound. Mm -hmm. He's like, yeah, that's, you. that's perfect. So Six Stroke was was born. Wow. I'm very glad you didn't say something about, like, Toronto mans. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> born in the Six, I die in the Six. <laughs> I mean, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I. You know what? The story, it's kind of funny because, like, that's almost how you come up with names. You exactly. know, it's it's like moments like those, you know. Uh, what about you, um, Panic Pop? How would you come up with your your moniker? Uh, when I was like 
middle school to like the first half of high school, mm-hmm. I was like crazy obsessed with uh, DDR and Dance and Revolution. Like I had a crew, you know, we hung out at our arcades, like we had our business. Like I played so much, I beat childhood obesity because it's like, I was like just playing it. Fuck, I lost like 60 pounds on that shit. It was crazy. Holy shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny to think. I I was, like, bigger at the age of 13 than I am now. Um, But, like, so I'd also, because we couldn't get our fill, you know, just at the arcade? Yeah. Just at the arcade? Heck no. So me and the homies, we'd always play Step Mania. Um, If you know what that is, it's, like, the PC uh, keyboard version of... um, uh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. so but but the beauty of it is like you know um just endless customizable songs you know songs you know and then so i'd just be downloading random packs of like songs and stuff like that and there was a song like that was called something like it was it was an actual song that existed by a band called plus tech squeeze box but they just totally named it something else in the game and the name of the song was panic pop the actual song pretty trash but like <laughs> the name enough so that before there was any sort of musical purpose it was just my online name so it goes way back that it was like gotcha. my name on myspace so it was just a name i was known for just online and then by the time i was ready for music i'm like we're upgrading it it has purpose now yeah that's pretty good though to get that unlocked and still want to have the the alias moniker um when you want to use it it's it was it sounded so good to me like whether i started a death metal band became a rapper or anything panic pop was just so the name to me like it would have just become anything i became yeah i feel like a lot of people go through a couple names like six like did you have like how many names did you have before you made it to six stroke? Yeah, just just the one. It was it was Splinter, with with the oh, one okay. in the brackets, and and I like I said, I was so proud of that because I came up with it myself. Yeah, because like I yeah, was yeah. also listening to Dead Mouse, and he had a, a number in his name, so I was also like, oh okay, I could do that. <laughs> so dumb to say it out loud, but that was yeah. genuinely my thinking. And then um, uh, you gotta own it, though, you know. Yeah, for sure. And then I had another my my buddy Artifan and I started another alias called Electro Negativity, which again is also just the dumbest thing. Um, but we would try and make music together under that alias, and then and then yeah. Um, here we are. I'm Six Stroke, and he's Artifan. And then we, we actually started a side project together again called Onism, and that um, that's actually going pretty well. It's um, well, not it's oh, not going song. well, good but song. I think the output we have is pretty decent. And you <laughs> said the name was uh, uh, Artis Artisan. Uh, Artifan, yeah. Artifan. Artifan. Thane. Got you. Got you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we have to reach out to them at some point. Get them on an episode. Yeah, he does great art and. Um, yeah, him and I make music together under Onism. Onism, that's some, some pretty sick names, dude. My name isn't that that well thought out in in the forms of like, I guess names like that, you know? Because you, <laughs> your first name, you put so much thought into it too. So, have you, you know, always been Kid to... Luna? No, no, I went through like three names, I think. So, I guess I'm not too far behind on names. Just like three, maybe. 
What do you mind telling us? I, I'm very curious. <laughs> oh man, um, I had um, just a DJ alias uh, under the moniker um, Paper Cuts, like Paper and K U T Z. Okay. Uh, paper Cuts, and I just used to do like gigs, like DJing, you know. But it was before I ever started producing, and you know. Once the production side started to happen, like I kind of just made a new moniker, mm-hmm. and that one just kind of went to dust. And I, I want to—I can't even. Remember. I think the other one was like when I was in college. It was like, um, it was like raccoon in French because like I was really into French house, man. Oh, cool! And me and my homie, um, me and my homie uh, that kind of taught me how to DJ. Basically, you know, we were always, like, doing, like, making mixes for each other, you know? Like, mm. trying to, like, one-up each other and shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I used to have, like, a French moniker. It was so dumb, dude. <laughs> it was, like, if you read it out in English, it was just, like, raccoon spelled in French. So y'all can go figure that one out. Go <laughs> check that one out. But, yeah, I thought it was so cool because, you know, I, I wanted to do, like, the whole French house uh, duo kind of thing. Right. But, you know, as yeah, all of yeah, us do, it. that shit never happens. <laughs> At least it didn't happen for me, but mm. uh, it didn't really need to. But, um, so, uh, Panic Pop, let's talk about that mix. Um, where, where'd you get some of the track selection? Is, like, some of that music, like, unreleased, or just some of, like, your favorite bangers, or just... Because I, I think I heard one track in there that I'm like, dude, I think I may have this. I think I rinsed this one a couple times. Oh, um, well, I, I didn't know. Did. I, I complimented. Um, yeah, all the tracks I, are actually my own, so I think... Oh, I definitely may have one of your tracks, for sure. So I think only two of them are out in some capacity, but most of those are unreleased from an album I got. Uh, well, I'm attempting to release it this year. I just got to keep on saying I got to polish up a couple more tracks. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was just a little taste of what I got coming out in 2022. Um, whoopsie. Whoop. People be speeding by in my hood. Um, no, you're good. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, it's just a lot of moody tracks uh, that, I don't know. It's funny, the last album I put out didn't really have a theme to it, but this one kind of does. It's just, like, my experiences, the highs and lows with, like, love and connection and growth and loss that I've just had within the past five years somehow just communicated just through song and sound, you know, snippets of vocals that give blips of ideas of just like moments within my mind during certain moments throughout the years and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so it's just, uh, I guess also a little bit of a tonal shift from uh, my last album, you know, because I don't really think, yeah, I don't really think there's a purpose. It was just like, you know, a sample platter of just different dance beats. But, you know, now I'm just trying to, a little bit of substance, kind of demonstrate a little bit of growth technically from the last bit of output, and uh, yeah. Some, yeah, it's oh. like, I, I wonder, like, with some of those tracks, like, sometimes you kind of, like, test the water of, like, I guess, like, what you want to lean a little bit more into, you know? Um, 
because I mean I know like there was especially like ending out the mix like the last track kind of reminded me of like Saint Pepsi, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, because like I mean the the French House and like I want to say that I don't know if it was like it kind of reminded me of like a Louis Larouche track. I'm pretty sure you're familiar with like these names. Mm-hmm. Um, like I looked up to a lot of those guys and still do, man. They you know. Um, they had very soulful music, you know, um, you know, I'm black. So it was like, I'm like, damn, like, damn, this has got some good sample hooks and like everything. I'm like, bro, I vibe with this. It's <laughs> such a bop, but you know, uh, probably it was like Toonami's fault putting me on early on. But mm-hmm. especially with the St. Pepsi, um, thing too. Cause it's like, I guess, one thing I'm attempting to do, you know, because I guess in my head, like, that's the classic Vaporwave song of the album where, like, Future Funk, Once Upon a Time, came from Vaporwave. But as time has gone on, they've become their own distinct things. And I feel uh-huh. like now there's some sort of, because we've progressed so much and now there's so much ingredients in the sauce and technology in Future Funk that it's almost like I have too much pride to make Vaporwave. But it's like, nah, nah, man. Some of that shit, like, some of the best meals are only comprised of four ingredients. And so, I guess, with the first track, for example, where it's just, like, you know, still trying to flex, like, yeah, you know, we can make some EDM bops, but, you know, Mm -hmm. I guess every track has its own purpose in terms of telling a story and highlighting certain aspects of both genres, because it's, like, you know, I guess that first track was, like, the New Age... And then <clears throat> I guess like the second track was like, yeah, I guess a throwback to just, I mean, yeah, it was like, yeah, it was me and Cohen. Now, uh, <laughs> cut that one out. <laughs> oh, you said my name earlier too. So it's, it's okay. No, I, yeah, you did. <laughs> it's all good. Dang. I don't care. <laughs> I'm so, oh man, I tell, uh, I was about to say another person. I tell future funk monthly all the time. Don't be saying my name. <laughs> my name. <laughs> Now it's out. I'm like, dang it, boy. Um, but uh, yeah, no. Um, I guess uh, the second track was, I guess, um, me, and, uh, me and Six Stroke, we collab, our first collab. There was such magic to it that I think we just wanted to tap into similar energy. So mm-hmm. I guess to throw back to that. And then other tracks are to the classic era of future funk, um, you know, and then the classic era of Vaporwave. So story about me and a story about the history of the genres yeah i would say like especially with like basically with like your sound tone like i mean like who inspires you like your soundscape because i mean like it like you know vaporwave and french house is like such a big gap apart when you really look at it mm-hmm. um like I, if I was listening to music, I don't think I would end up really bumping into them. I mean, now you probably could with like a- algorithms, but like at the time, like to me, they were so so different, especially with tempo wise, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, who who inspires like your soundscape? You know, me. So many. I guess. You know, I initially got I like you know, Daft Punk is the root of it all. And then I do like Japanese music. So then hearing both of those coming together definitely started. Um, Future Funk, 
then as I got deeper into kind of like kind of familiarizing myself with the music, you know, you just have to start digging into other music, you know, for sample material, you know, and I guess mm-hmm. for me, like, uh, there's just something about random incidental music, like commercial music, just elevator jazz, you know, where to some people it's either a nuisance or a bother. There's a certain texture in feel to it all. Like literally even listening to call waiting music through the phone, no bass, staticky as hell. <laughs> like, I guess it's more so not necessarily music, but textures and sounds that inspire me that where I hear I, I like certain sounds and I try to capture that and then somehow turn that into future funk where when I bring well for the first uh song in that mix you know I guess these days like I'm not even looking at actual funk or mm-hmm. disco to make future funk you know I like incidental music forgotten commercial music you know just yeah, those chill um, breaks, like, um, I've actually been listening to a lot of music that's similar to, like, that uh, lately, you know? Um, those, like, I guess I, I guess there would be, like, big, um, are they, like, big strings or whatever? But they, you know, you could probably do it with, like, a, like a drone VST or um, where it's just, like, kind of, like, almost like a hum... It's it's very chill um, without being, like, super melodic or anything like that. And, like, if you have, like, really nice groovy percussions, oh, that's a whole thing, you know? Um, so, so in regards to continued inspiration, you know, like a lot of things, you know, I guess I was, I was watching, it's funny, I was watching an interview with um, uh, one hardcore guitarist where someone asked them, like, what influences them, and, you know, he said a bunch of things that weren't metal because it's like, I feel like anyone, because it, if it becomes an echo chamber or a loop, if it's like I listen to future funk and then like I'm inspired by that and then I just kind of like interpret that. Mm-hmm. So, like, my thing, you know, I, I listen to a lot of 80s post disco, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of stuff like, I'm going to be saying random names, but it's like, Five Star, like Haywood, you know, Sade. I'm also a big metalhead. You know, I like, you know, and also where the, like, even the breaks in that one song, because it's like, I grew up in the Toronto rave scene where, I mean, the music I play, I'm the only one holding it down in our scene. Everything else is just like techno or drum and bass, but eventually, you know, some of it hits. So I just try to reflect, you know, things I'm exposed to, things that, like, I've actually experienced. And then, you know, a weird, goofy elements, you know, maybe twangs from, like, metal, rock, rap, all plugged into the Future Funk formula. So not necessarily Future Funk, but, you know, I like, yeah, anything weird, groovy, aggressive, ghetto. This man makes, yeah, and, this man makes paper yeah, drafts sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah, you gotta um, you gotta uh, link some of that next time. Very much so. Hopefully, when yeah, the album it comes out and stuff like that too. Aside from the inspirations, uh, I got something to send the peeps. Yeah, I'll definitely um, uh, give a little questionnaire about that here in a bit. 
Um, but yeah, I understand that because it's like you're also you're trying to like like cap- captivate a vision um, that you've created in the form of music as well, you know. So, like, I guess it would be kind of hard to kind of hold down the fort when it's like something like you're captivating music from like future 80s r&b sade and like basically make it into like one thing yeah Um, basically that is like the new album it is like that (laughs) yeah i mean and that's i mean for for a creator like i understand that because like it's basically like if you're doing a science project you want to be able to show the work so they can like understand the concept Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's not easy, though, because if that was the case, like, <laughs> it's like you're expressing yourself, but you also wanted to do it in a certain way uh, that people can vibe with. Music. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> going back to the question, um, Six Strokes, you want to tell me a little bit about your mix before we progress at all in, these, in this conversation? Yeah. What inspires you? For sure. Um, so... I kind of wanted to tap into sort of all of my discography for most of the mix. And then at the Mm -hmm. end of the mix kind of play more like newer stuff and sort of the sound I'm going for. And then at the very end of the mix, there's like the little teaser of stuff I've got sort of in the pipeline at the moment. And Mm -hmm. I'm like super proud of that output. And I'm, I'm like really pumped to finish those tunes and, and actually put them out this year. But yeah, oh yeah, they're all bangers for sure. Thank you. Um, um, at the at the beginning of the mix, I kind of started with songs off of Shinjuku Love Letter, which was my first album. That was kind of inspired by the first time I'd ever gone to Japan, and it in, incorporates sort of the the whole album is very like multi genre, but it also mm-hmm. has a through line with chip tune and sort of happier vibes and um, almost like an ambition for adventure. So I, I opened with that. Uh, I played a couple collabs with, or no, sorry, I just played a collab with my good buddy Rocket Chip, who makes incredible like digital fusion punk rock chiptune music. Got um, you, yeah. He's awesome. And then I sort of shifted into a couple tracks off of uh, Protocol, which was that sort of dark techie EP I was talking about. And then... Mm-hmm, on Monastery. On Monastery, oh. yeah. Oh, yeah, right. I forgot about that. Your uh, plastic's on there. Yeah, yes, sir. And then uh, I went into sort of a couple of the Future Funk songs that uh, I had in the pipeline. I actually played uh, one of Panic Pop's and I, Panic Pop and I's uh, collabs, but like the the VIP version I did of it, uh, work it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was gonna say one of these sounds like a VIP. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Um, okay. Yeah, I, I was so honored to have that as like his a bonus track on his his debut album. Like, it's so cool. But um, yeah, and then uh, and then I kind of pick up the speed and go into sort of more of the stuff that I'm kind of playing now. Um, you know, sort of that like I've said it already, but sort of like future bass mixed with J core mixed with um, uh, like speed house uh, color bass type sound. And mm-hmm. uh, I played about five unreleased tunes closer to the end of the mix. Um, and then, uh, and then, as I said, um, right at the end, those, those, that little, that little nugget of completely unreleased stuff. And, um, 
I'm just, I, I don't know. The future's looking really good. I kind of had a, a long, hard talk with myself about what I wanted to do, and, and it feels so good to finally land on a sound that I think I want to actively pursue for the foreseeable future indefinitely. Yes. <laughs> yes, nice. and we all, because, like, it's so freeing, because then it's, like, it's more like cultivating your sound design, you know, yeah. getting it to a point to where you, you want it. Um, I had something in my notes that I'm like, dude, this, um, it's like a set that kind of takes you on a journey, but mm-hmm. it's almost like an arcade club. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was like, you know, a lot of 8-bit, um, like, chiptuned uh, sound design in your work. But uh, you can probably coin that arcade clip. I don't know arcade if that's club? a genre. Oh, dude, I don't know yeah. if that's a genre yet, but <laughs> we just coined it here. Oh, you know what? I'm but, stealing um, that patent pending. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, totally. I mean, uh, wh- who inspires your soundscape? Because I mean, like, you guys both obviously have um, works that inspire you, like, great for, greatly from the genre that you listen to and make yourself so yeah for sure um i mean i'll I'll start with sort of like i don't tend to listen to edm too much outside of like looking for songs to mix with Mm -hmm. um i definitely know sort of what i like and and i'll i'll get into sort of like the edm stuff but um when i'm not doing like edm related stuff i tend to listen to a lot of like moody indie music um Mm -hmm sort of like um yeah like moody synthy indie stuff uh like hip-hop um i like death grips uh, (laughs) yeah i fuck the death grips quite a bit um and then uh sort of like lo-fi down tempo more maybe like experimental um idm type stuff and then um and then yeah so that's sort of what i listen to when i'm not listening to EDM stuff. And then when I am, um, I really, really take a lot of inspiration from the Japanese net label, uh, Mega Rex. Um, they make Mega Rex. Yeah. They, they have a lineup of like some of like the most incredible Japanese. Well, they have artists from all over the world, but, but they're a Japanese label, but yeah, mm-hmm. no, their, their music is fantastic. It's right up my alley. There's one artist in particular, uh, named Mame Yudofu, who, uh, just makes like some of my favorite songs. If I have to recommend one, I'd recommend checking out "Wave" by Mame Yudofu. It's like that. That shit's my jam. And Mame Yudofu. Mame Yudofu. Yeah. Yudofu. M A M E Y U D O U F U, I think. And um, yeah, that that song alone has like, if you hear it and then listen to some of my stuff, you'll definitely hear the the inspiration because. Uh, it's like it, the sort of um, like elevator pitch I thought for myself is that my music is sweet, sour, and funky. And mm, okay. that's kind of, you'll hear like all those aspects in that song. And and that, but yeah, no, this that whole label, Mama Yudofu as an artist, incredible stuff. Um, in terms of like the more commercial side, I really like Space Laces. Uh, I think yeah. his stuff is banana bonkers creative yeah i love that guy's sound design <laughs> yeah just just so cool like really pushing the envelope but um yeah let me just think what else um the in in recent years um house of panda and um crisis era 
are two like sort of hard dance speed house artists that um, <clears throat> sort of came out of that speed house movement. And uh, that popped up, I think, in 2020. And I've been taking a lot of inspiration and notes from those guys because I play their tunes in my in my sets a lot. So, yeah. I yeah, guess. I I was getting like Speed House and NXC confused because I used to spend a lot of NXC. Mm. So, um, like that was already Speed House for me. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean, so like 160 <laughs> BPM. Yeah, for sure. But for sure. Uh, but yeah, no, I think that's really cool, man. Um, I, I kind of notice a lot of people that tend to be DJs, um, especially long before they become like a producer, tend to not listen to much electronica, you know, uh, unless it's like for a set. Cause like, I get, I don't know, I guess you kind of get tired of it or you just like, like you kind of have to turn your brain off or at least try to pick like a certain like set. Cause I still DJ like, gigs that I don't typically play the music for, mm. you know? So like I kind of have to like get myself in a whole nother mindset. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like I I definitely have some ED like I'm just actually looking at my phone right now. I have some EDM tracks on my phone. It's just sort of like when I started DJing initially and like I sort of got into electronic music as a whole, that was all I would listen to. That was my I was one of those guys. That was like my whole identity. Like, yeah, I listen to electronic music. You want to, you ever heard of dub? <laughs> you know, I was one of those yeah. dudes. But, um, you know, over the years, I've kind of, um, I, I mean, again, I still love, oh, I can't even, I can't believe I forgot this. Porter Robinson, his new album is a huge inspiration. Oh, yeah, for the me nature. As well. Yeah, Nurture, Nurture, Nurture blew me away. Like, virtual self stuff. Virtual self, yeah. For sure, like just Porter Robinson in general, man. Like, I, I can't believe I forgot to say that when <laughs> I'm just looking yeah, at my phone. Yeah, yeah. he's he um, has done a successful, a phenomenal sound design change, mm -hmm. and you know, actually, like kept a solid supportive fan base. You know, yeah. So exactly, and that that was a sort of big inspiration for me in terms of like me wanting to sort of define myself now and, and like pick a sound and stick to it. Um, yeah, I think, um, he does it. Flume does it very well. Mm. That's still making music, you know? Um, cause like these guys have been making music like for a minute, you know, I think I saw Porter Robinson in like 2011, 2012 at a Houston show, you know, when he was playing like uh dubstep. So sure. Yeah. It's been like Fuck such a Porter Robinson. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, I will say the dubstep scene then was different. Oh, hundred percent. It's that music. It's different than it is now because like those guys who are listening to it are us. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I don't, I don't believe I'm a fuck boy, you know, now, but no, no. Yeah. I guess when I looking guess back. now, <laughs> I mean, I guess so, but I mean, I didn't, I didn't see until it went like super commercial, I mm. guess. But before that, like, uh, that's where I met a lot of my friends at, you know, nice. that, that are still, you know, good friends of mine now. But all right, I rescind my but, statement. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like it's harder. I think it's harder to defend it now. Yeah, if you were to get into music, especially even even the EDM scene now is a little bit different than it used to be. Yeah, for so, sure. 
Um, it's cool to sort. It's a double-edged sword. It's cool to sort of see electronic music get incorporated in different ways into sort of mainstream music, but yeah. By the same token, it also kind of blurs the line and makes it feel a little bit cheap. Like to me, at least, that's just my opinion. It, it sort of like makes the music feel like not as special yeah, and as it, it and it gets did. it gets hard because it's like just like as we were inspired, more people are going to be able to be inspired to do the same thing. Yeah, for Which sure. isn't necessarily a bad thing, but, um, you know, if you really look at music in general, whether it's like electronica, hip-hop, or rock or indie, mm. music changes all the time, you know? Yeah. Uh, there's old heads in, like, any genre of music, yeah. you know, because you would want to keep it a certain way. And even, you know, even myself... You know, I was, I got into it, you know, right when, you know, Skrillex was coming out. Because, um, like, when I was listening to French House, like, a lot of that music, it was already been out, you know, it was older mm-hmm. music. But the scene didn't really blow up like that until, like, 2010 and 2011. So it's like, um, it's changed so much now, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's, like, so much different. Uh, you know, I kind of wish uh, Dog Blood would have kept doing a thing. Oh, you know? yeah. Man, uh, versus man. like right dog blood over jack you any day yes <laughs> I, have, I absolutely agree 100 percent. um let's get into some a little bit more personal questions uh, we'll start with uh you panic pop um at what moment in life did you decide that you wanted to focus on music you know i think i always wanted to participate in music to some capacity but i was just not in a place in life because like i mean i grew up like a broke family that didn't necessarily have the financial resources and space to like just like let me engage with music the moment i was like let's fucking do this Mm -hmm. so (laughs) i guess it was just like i always knew i wanted to but you know i guess for a while it just didn't happen and i remember i was in a relationship with this girl and i was having a particularly shitty day and then like I think I was having like an existential crisis where I was just like, damn, like I just felt shitty or incomplete because I just wasn't able or didn't even at the moment, like I was just like ground zero, no musical skill, but I just wanted to do it so badly. I just felt bad. I wasn't there. And then, um, my girlfriend at the time was an artist, you know, so she already took the plunge in her own like medium. So from her perspective, she's just like, do it, just do it. And I'm like, just do it which is kind of sounds kind of funny because i remember like even years before that before i became a dj and like i mentioned like to a friend like wouldn't it be cool to like a french house party but like shit like that wouldn't happen here and then a friend was like <laughs> just host it yourself I'm like just host it myself <laughs> what the fuck you mean <laughs> so it was at that breaking point where it was just like just oh i guess i'd have to say like bro at the time i was like 23 but like you know i kind of loafed in and lagged and i feel like i didn't get direction about production until like you know i kind of connected closer to the future funk scene which I actually kind of provided and the thing is about future funk i feel like why a lot of people can kind of point the finger and say it's an amateurish genre because a lot of people do kind of use it as a starting point for kind of understanding how to produce and make music so it's a lot mm-hmm. of people's entry point but I mean, for me, I, I'm, I'm still about it. I like it. It's definitely like, uh, you know, a genre I definitely enjoy. Um, 
so like when it started for real honestly like i mentioned earlier like 25 you know so mm-hmm. i always knew it kind of felt like like just preventing a caterpillar from just going through the metamorphosis of like coming like a butterfly like you just you have that end goal purpose but like life is just keeping you there so you're just like in your own body like this doesn't work this doesn't work but then when i eventually yeah, just got that push, yeah when you eventually get that push then it was all just like whoosh. yeah always but late start late yeah. bummer uh what about you yeah. six um at, at yeah. what moment did you decide yeah, I mean, because you said sorry. you were making music pretty early on, though. I'm sorry for cutting you off. No, but. no worries, no worries. Sorry. <laughs> I um, yeah, sorry. I I sort of answered this question a little prematurely, but mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, ever since I was a kid, I would um, you know, dance around the kitchen listening to the Space Jam soundtrack. You know, with <laughs> mom with the big fat ass VHS camera. You know, filming me, and I watched back the the. Uh, I watch back those videos and it's just like, damn, I've always been like super into music, even, you know, before I could speak. Mm-hmm. You know? And um, <clears throat> yeah, so I mean, like I said, I always sort of wanted to get into music, but um, I, I actually have ADHD. So I sort of, uh, well, more as a child, not as much now, but as a kid, I would pick stuff up and put it down and pick stuff up and put it down, you know, oh, I'm not getting good at this. Let me just put it down and move on to the next thing. So mm-hmm. I was very much that way with piano and I was very much that way with guitar. And and like I said, drums was sort of the first thing I felt like I could start to get really good at. And um, ironically, I've sat in front of a drum kit recently and I just, I'm total garbage, have not played in years. I am quite <laughs> bad at drumming now, but that was that was sort of, like my bread and butter for a really long time. I, I would, you know, I, I played guitar hero, like most kids as well played DDR on my PS2. Um, so, you know, I, yeah, music has always sort of been in me and what I wanted to do, but it was kind of, I never really knew my place. I didn't, I didn't really know. I didn't really know where I'd be. What, what would be the end goal? And, um, I, you know, when I started, when I found electronic music or electronic music found me, um, I started to, it, it started to all come together that this was something that I really, really enjoyed. It was so different to anything I'd done before. And, uh, and then the rest is history. I mean, I, I DJed for a few years and then I tried producing an FL that didn't really work out too well. Uh, I tried reason and that's my daw to this day. Oh, nice. Yeah. And, nice. Um, so funny. Is it a left field pick? Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. The, well, we, we'll get into that. <laughs> for sure, yeah. I'll just say the reason, well, maybe I shouldn't say the reason. Maybe that's a question for later. But uh, Yeah, we'll, we'll save it. We're okay, almost yeah. there. For sure, for sure. <laughs> for sure. But yeah, so, um, yeah, it, it just, it all kind of came together. And, and like, I don't want to say, oh, I'm I'm right where I should be. But, like, because, like, I've been making so many different kinds of music for so long because I can never just pick one. I I love sort of all genres of electronic music, be it fast, you know, hardcore mm-hmm. stuff, house music, you know, 128, you know, glitch hop occasionally, like just all over the map. And, um, you know, it's just lately I've sort of felt 
as I said before, like I'm finding my niche and I'm finding the sound I want to move forward with. And it's such a liberating feeling that I'm, I'm, I'm where I want and need to be in this moment. <laughs> that's that's crazy, man. Because for the longest time, you were saying quite the opposite. So seeing that you've overcome your own personal hurdles to say, like, you're comfy in your own skin, that's a 180 from my perspective. Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah I, I, Panic Pop can absolutely attest to this because, like, I mean, he's got he's got his aesthetic nailed down. His, his genre, his his um, sort of every aspect of his musical journey, um, at least from an outsider's perspective, it, it seems mm -hmm. like he's got a very um, a set brand, and I've never been able to really find my like set brand. And you know, and and I'll admit this too. I mean, this is isn't really related to the question, but I'll admit this. You know, in 2021, I kind of went into a bit of a depressive state because of the pandemic and there weren't any shows happening and I just didn't mm -hmm. feel like making music. You know, I, I genuinely felt like I wanted to quit. I, I didn't feel like I had it in me to continue making music, um, at least in the same capacity I was. And coming out of that feeling so liberated is like the best feeling in the world. And I'm, I'm like really eager to, to, to move on and, and keep, putting out new music and coming up with new ideas because it used to scare me before to, it used to be anxious to open, open my DAW. And now it's just like, I mm -hmm. can't open it fast enough. No, that's, that's great. Honestly, I really think too, uh, with the whole pandemic when that was going on, uh, I really think, um, I know there was like a, a, a fuck ton of like internet shows that was going on, but yeah. like for people like me, um, you know, because, like, man, I'll DJ out live, too, but, like, having to deal with that and so much, like, uncertainty and, like, a lack of motivation, like, that was just a little bit of gas to, like, keep me in the in the loop, you know? Yeah, 100%. Because, um, I mean, if they weren't doing those shows or anything like that, like, man, who knows how long a hiatus would have been on your creativity, especially when it comes to, like, music and stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I mean, if there's a will, you know, there's a way, <laughs> as they say. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's almost a little sad to see that URL shows have kind of, I mean, they're still happening, but they, they've definitely dropped off at uh, yeah, an that, exponential and it's, rate. And it's natural at, mm -hmm. with like how society is, like things like bloom and die so quick nowadays. So I feel it's only natural to be that way. I mean, it'll probably come back. Um. And stream, because I mean, there's people that stream, there is a whole community of, you know, streamers to begin with, so. Right. And, um, the, and the VR chat uh, DJ community as well for, they, they're diehards, those guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I haven't got to participate in any of those. Have y'all? Have y'all been or performed? Yeah, yeah. I've, I play, uh, during the pandemic, I played, I think, I, I think I played t two or three VR chat shows. Nice. And, um, and yeah, those, those are super fun, super interesting, like very different than, than. I feel like I'll be really disorientated <laughs> to like figure out like how to DJ, but then like, um, you know, like, like wearing the headset. Yeah. It's like, how close is this really to my fingers? Like, yeah, yeah. What, what a lot of people will do is they'll put the headset kind of like on their forehead and then, 
hold the controllers <laughs> in their hand. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's, it's a really interesting, like, subculture of URL performance yeah. for sure. I can imagine. Um, we'll continue with you, Six. Is there anything um, that you've, like, learned or just, like, being an artist or becoming, like, your own self have, like, taught you that you wouldn't have learned, like, anywhere else, you think? Um, let, me, let me say that one more time. Yeah. Is there anything that... Uh, being an artist has taught you that you wouldn't have learned else other, uh, otherwise. You want to try one more time? Yeah, yeah, we'll go one more time. <laughs> yeah. Is there <laughs> is there anything that had? <laughs> no, I'm just <laughs> fucking it up, dude. Is is there anything um, as becoming an artist has taught you life wise that you probably wouldn't have learned any anywhere else? Yeah. Um. I mean, a lot of like sort of self-regulation, self-reliance. Um, I, I mean, as shitty as this sounds, it's like nobody really cares about your music unless you can kind of make them care. And mm -hmm. and that's sort of something that I've... Uh, I, I definitely struggle with sort of the social media aspect of of making music because I, I don't like doing social media stuff. I don't find it fun. I don't, I don't know if anybody finds it fun, really, but I, I personally no. don't. <laughs> and, um, you know, like... I've also had to wear so many hats, like making album art, uh, learning like video editing, um, just sort of like various, um, I, I don't want to say like E-trade skills, but like that's the only term I can really think. Like just just various technological skills are, are required. Um, like I've been thinking about learning Blender as well so I can get a little bit more creative with like album art and stuff. And like, mm -hmm. um, you know, like even it, it directly has to do with music, but like mixing and mastering is I do all my own mixing and mastering because over the years I've kind of, I, I don't want to have to pay someone else constantly for a mix and a master if, uh, you know, the money's not really coming back. Yeah. <laughs> if the money's not yeah. If, if you're being realistic with yourself. Exactly. Yeah. Like if I had a track that I knew was an absolute banger, like out of this world, I'm going to sign five record deals type, <laughs> type beat. Um, maybe sure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, it's, I think the thing I've learned the most from doing music is just self-reliance. Um, you know, it's it's okay to ask for help, but, you know, try to learn these skills yourself so that things will be way easier for you. You can meet deadlines way faster if you only have to rely on yourself. Mm -hmm. um, again, not that there's anything wrong with w collaborating and working with other artists. Like, I highly, highly encourage everyone to do that. But for me personally, I found that um, being able to learn new things in the field that I'm in is helping me advance faster than I would have if I just constantly relied on someone else to do it. Mm -hmm. What about you, uh, Panic Pop? Is there uh, anything you would have learned like differently if you would have chose like a different avenue? Like, cause I know, go ahead, go ahead, sorry. You know, I guess it's taught me a lot about like, expectation versus reality and like <laughs> and not that i've necessarily even had to like compromise anything along the journey but like i feel like 
when you really get into the start of something, like let's just say making your first album, you're just some person out there, a civilian who's only subject to their own time. And if it gets put out or not, that's kind of like up on you when you finished it. So a lot of what you perceive about growth, how people are going to receive the album, what it means to make an album comes from a lot of starry-eyed idealism. But a lot of that kind of gets checked when you kind of go out there and like, the actual economy, the machine of putting out music and what it actually means to grow and elevate yourself and whatnot. So a lot of people kind of get heartbroken where, you know, a lot of this is through love and anime-esque altruism, but then it's just like, it doesn't end up actually really being like that. So slowly learning the business of like, a business you know the meta game of what it means to grow yourself what generates a positive experience or not uh, ins and outs of running a show because a lot of the magic of music and live events comes from not even really understanding what's behind the curtain you just walk up and magic happens and then so kind of demystifying some of the magic and understanding how to utilize it for yourself. Also a plethora of like <sighs> platforms as Six Stroke mentioned and like, I don't know. Yeah, so I guess if anything, what this whole music taught me, separating the magic from the realism, but still understanding how to get to that end goal you had when you had the perspective when it was just magic. It's not that it's not achievable, it's just like, new approach, how do I get there for real? Mm -hmm. If I could just add on to that. Um, Please. You know, that's something that I also had to learn too when I first started is that, you know, I I was like, like even, I, I say first started, but when I, I mean, um, Sorry, let me just start that whole sentence over. This was something that I sort of had to learn myself when I put out my first album, Shinjuku Love Letter. I was like so hyped on it. I'm like, this is the best thing I've ever made. Dude, people need to hear this. This is amazing. <laughs> and, you know, when, you know, when it didn't get the plays I was hoping it would get and when it didn't get the, you know, the attention that I was, I was, really like yearning for it was a big disappointment and it definitely put me in check for sure because you know at that point I had been putting out music for a while um or yeah about two or three years so I was like okay now's the time like people are gonna they're gonna love this album and and you know it got plays but it wasn't like mind-blowing right and I think Panic really brings up a good point that, you know... Same you with could, my first album. I thought Five Star would have been like, Future Funk Album of the Year! This was a game changer! <laughs> and then all my friends who are on the committee of, like, even voting for Future Funk Album of the Year, they're like, you, your album came out this year? Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. go ahead, continue your thought. Yeah, no, uh, no <laughs> exactly. Like, it's, it's all about keeping your expectations in check, for sure. Uh, I mean, the music you put out can be the best thing ever. Like, I hear songs on SoundCloud all the time that blow me away, and I look at the play count, and it's, like, 300. And I'm like, what? What? Yeah. Like, how? I'm so sorry if y'all hear clicking and just uh, working on graphics. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we're putting on a fireworks show right now, so sorry if you could hear that. Oh, it's all good. It's all good. But, yeah, so <laughs> I, I guess my my... 
one of the big things is tamp, temp, uh, tamp, tempering, tampering, tempering, <laughs> tempering mm-hmm. your expectations a little bit and um, kind of being more realistic with yourself and, and not letting yourself get too hyped about this being your best work. Because, yeah, sure, it might be your best work and, and it might be amazing, uh, or at least in your eyes, but you mm-hmm. have to sort of play the game and, and understand that maybe a couple people will think it's amazing and, and play it on repeat, but you've got to just keep putting out your best work and more and more people will be like, oh, this actually kind of goes. And and it takes a long, long time. Unless you're really lucky. It just, mm-hmm. you got to be really lucky, but you got to play the game for a long time. Yeah, it's like um, trying to catch the perfect wave, you know? Exactly, yeah. Um. <clears throat> So before we move on to our next segment here, I have one more question. Um, we'll, we'll start with you, uh, Six. Sure. Is there some advice you would like to give uh, yourself or an, any upcoming producer? Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I feel like I already said it, like temper your expectations. Yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah but, you guys um, kind of cleared it, but <laughs> I was like, yeah, no, yeah. it's cool, it's cool, it's cool. But... Um, what would you tell yourself 10 years, uh, 10 years ago, if you could, Oh man, I, I think I would tell myself to, to, to stop wasting time and focus on your, like focus, focus up on music. I tell myself to focus on learning piano because that would have saved me a lot of time mm-hmm. and just be constantly creating constantly just constantly write down ideas constantly like there are times where I'll think of something like maybe a cool track title but I won't write it down and then it's gone mm-hmm. you know and as a as a teenager I would do that all the time or like I'd think of a a cool melody and then it's gone you know so constantly be like just constantly be creative constantly be recording yourself constantly be making stuff and granted you know you make stuff and it's trash, probably, but sometimes you find a little nugget of gold in that trash, you know. And and mm-hmm. and it's a, it's a hard reality because, um, you know, you you think what you make is great most of the time. Generally speaking, like we all think the the stuff that we make is a, is is great on a first draft, mm-hmm. you know. And then you get so hyped on it, you build up your expectations, and then maybe you show it to your friend, and they're like, "Yeah, it's cool." They're like, oh, they're yeah. like, oh, okay, and then it kind of puts you back in check. So, just don't let it, don't let yourself get too hyped on ideas. Keep yourself in check and be constantly making stuff, even if you think it's bad. Just always be creating. Yeah. What about you, Pop? Um, you have any advice you'd like to give yourself, whether it's ten years from, well, ten years ago or today? Um. Honestly, a lot of what you perceive, and I'm speaking to me of the past, a lot of what you perceive as hard is not as hard as it actually is. A lot of what stops us is our fear of what we think we're capable of and what our perception of the task at hand is. But, like, honestly, man, there are some dumb people who make music. You know, you telling me every genius who picks up a DAW and makes a decent song is just some like absolute, just like 200 IQ genius and you you just can't keep up. 
No. The average person makes the world go round, and thousands of people use this consumer-level software. Do not let your fears stop you from progressing farther. Watch tutorials. There are helpful bits of information out there. And I don't know. Yeah. Don't be stopped by your fear, if anything, because I feel like hmm, my biggest hurdle was just like, when I do learn, I do feel like I do cling on to information, but how often I expose myself to an opportunity where I do learn because I'm like, oh, you're just not going to get it. By the time I actually do get to it, it's like, wow, this bit of information that I've kept myself away from for an entire year took 10 minutes to absorb, my gosh. So <laughs> I, I remember, not. sorry, I remember um, like last month you were like, bro, did you guys know about checking a track with a reference track and like EQing it in the same way? And we were all like, what? <laughs> Just use what a spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I yeah, I definitely didn't do that at first. Uh, I didn't do the reference track thing at first, mm -hmm. but it's it and it's like things. You, it's like things you that are pretty simple that you wouldn't think about, you know. Um, so, but that's like the thing, you know. You be you're so smart that you forget the simple things. So it's always good to kind of refresh, uh, refresh some of those basic, basically basic techniques. Um, how much longer is this going to be going? Uh, maybe the next four hours, I think. Four hours? <laughs> no, no we're, we're, <laughs> we're, we're pretty much, we're, we're almost, we're almost done. Jeez. This is where your friendship is about to be tested. Oh, excellent. Okay. Um, so, um, six strokes, since you are on the, the left side of this, what's, you know, what's your favorite doll and is it just a tool? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I, my favorite DAW is Reason, and that's just because that's what I use right now. Um, mm -hmm. I'm going to go on a bit of a side tangent about Reason. Reason didn't support VSTs for a long time. Um, up until Reason 9, they didn't support VSTs, and I started using Reason back when, I, uh, Reason 4. So I was about to make the switch to Ableton. And they they added VST support, and I was like, oh, psh, I'm not switching. No way, no way, no how. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 a Reason guy, and I'll stick with Reason probably till the day I die. But um, yeah, I do I do think a DAW is just a tool. I mean, it, it really doesn't matter what DAW you use. Um, some DAWs have things that other DAWs are uh, sorry. Some DAWs have things that I wish Reason had. Mm -hmm. um like ableton has a lot of really great effects for like sound design and stuff but you can you can sort of get a comparable vst to do a similar job um at least in my experience so mm -hmm. you know i i think it's just sort of about sticking with what you're comfortable with what you're what you're you know what you can learn what what comes the the most naturally um i'm not saying don't try other DAWs, like I've, I've done FL Studio, Ableton, Pro Tools. Uh, I used um, GarageBand and Logic briefly. So like I've sort of tried all these different DAWs and, and Reason was kind of the one that um, really stuck with me the, the most. Got you. What about you, um, Panic Pop? Um, 
What's your your favorite doll? And is it just a tool? Um, for me, I use FL Studio, and the main reason, honestly, just like most things, you know, when the way my brain cemented an idea on first, like, sorry, there's so much fireworks happening in my area. Jesus Christ, sounds like hot gang fireworks activity. in your area. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh man, where do people in my neighborhood get this stuff? It's like performance level, and it goes on for a week. I'm like, come on, it's Wednesday. <laughs> but um. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I use FL Studio because it was just the first die I, I ever got exposed to. And like, I already felt like I started late in life, late bloomer. So it's like, I already have some modicum of understanding of like this DAW, like no point in even starting even further back. So mm -hmm. since then, it's just mostly been a comfort pick in regards to it just being a tool. Yes, because, you know, I'm Filipino and rice cooker in the house been cooking rice all day every day and i have saw a video recently of of someone cooking rice in a wok like no top no nothing just rice mm -hmm. happening in a wok and i'm like bro i guess you know <laughs> and if you serve that rice from a rice cooker and from a wok it's not like someone's gonna be like Rice ain't people just be like this is rice so at the end of the day how you choose to get to the end goal it can be as conventional as layered or as simple as possible but if the end product is not distinguishable from any other means a tool is a tool that's true that is true uh do y'all have any go-to vscs uh six you go oh man um yeah i i use serum in like almost every project um, okay. Yeah, like Serum is my go-to synth. I've spent a lot of time um, like learning it. It's really helped me understand synthesis a lot better. Um, the onboard effects are amazing too for sound design and stuff. And you can kind of just like get the sound you're looking for without too much fuss, you know? And I really like that. It's sort of a one-stop shop. Gotcha. Um, and then, Do you use any hardware by chance? Yeah, funny enough, I recently bought a, um, what's it called? Uh, Minilog. Uh, nice. Korg, Korg Minilog. I'm like, I can't mm -hmm. remember the company. Yeah, Korg Minilog, and that thing's been really fun to just kind of like jam ideas on and um, like take, like again, sort of like experiment with synthesis and and use it as sort of like a little like modular synth. Like I'd never want to get into modular synthesis because like, Mm -hmm. stuff is like hella expensive and takes up way too much space but um just like messing around making like bleep bloop noises is just the most fun when you're not attached to a computer screen mm -hmm. and uh and i also recently bought a uh, djs 1000 which is like a pioneer cdj but it's it's like um it's like a sequencer uh with like a drum uh drum machine on the bottom it's yeah, a, I think sorry. I know which one you're talking about. It's a step sequencer, sorry, is what I meant mm -hmm. to say. Um, yeah, and it's like it's basically in a Kai sampler smashed into a CDJ, and and that thing's been super duper fun to mess around with. Like, I I I mean, I I wouldn't ever make like a full song, but like making ideas and like coming up with sort of new ways of thinking about um, making music uh, is is like so easy on these. <laughs> and then yeah and, and then i guess what about it, you uh, oh, sorry 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 i was just gonna say in terms of uh effects vsts like the kill of hearts bundle is is fantastic 
You, I use oh, that nice. on every track. Uh, on who, every and who, who made that? Oh, that's oh, Kilohertz. Kilohertz. Yeah, they um, they actually. Yeah. Oh, that's really surprising because their effects are fantastic, and they recently actually put like eighty percent of their effects for free. Oh wow. Yeah. So so before um like they offered only like six of their effects for free and it was kind of like man whatever and then um basically their whole suite of effects is free and it's just like oh dude yes thank you <laughs> dude that's wild i'm I definitely gonna have to look into that because i always like to try out some free things because you never know what kind of may spark inspiration for sure their distortion is beefy on an 808 nice what about you, uh, Panic Pop? Do you have um, any go-to VSTs or any uh, hardware that you use? Not much of a hardware guy. Like, I have an M80, like, keyboard, if I ever feel like jamming out, that uh, Epicuro, the uh, the head of uh, me and Six Strokes Collective, uh, just so gracious enough to send me. My gosh, I was mentioning earlier today to a friend, I, I feel like my gear is a community effort because Six Strokes supplied me with my DJ controller oh, yeah. and uh, Epicuro supplied me with the uh, carrying case. So it's like, oh, oh that's thank awesome. You. I'm like, I'm like a Make-A-Wish kid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like I'm a simple feller, you know. Um, like, if anything, I guess as I mentioned earlier, my hesitance to explore so many unfamiliar things has kind of just made me. I don't know. For my needs at the moment, I'm a native guy, you know. I just not native instruments, but like I'm a native <laughs> plugin guy, like just straight like whatever FL's got, you know. I some things like compression but any extra special stuff i guess six stroke introduced me to serum and he uh, guided me through uh various uh patches that i actually uh, even applied to uh my album uh so not too much you know because i mean i feel like if one thing to even tie back to the other question like you know what what's one thing you could have told yourself when you were younger a lot of people you know because your DAW can do so much. So people kind of lean on, they don't, they kind of hit a road bump and they're like, is there a plugin for this? But then mm -hmm. half the time you dig deep enough, it's like, oh, the DAW already does that. Not for everything. I can't, I can't just speak so generally like, you're a fool to go for third party. Ha ha. And sometimes, you know, third party does better than the native. But at least yeah. for my needs, you know, it's just like, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I got everything I need at home, you know? Yeah, that's yeah, that's that's a pretty good um, mindset to have when it comes to stuff like that. Because you know, if you're still just like not taking the time to learn one doll, then you're just kind of wasting time that you could be, you know, creating something. For sure, yeah. I think that sometimes people let um, like technical knowledge get in the way of creativity, and that's just like a total mood killer. Yeah, you, yeah, because you kind of want to, you know, you, you want to do the writing drunk, in, in a sense. Yeah. Like, you want to have fun with it and not think too much, because if you spend too much time thinking of what you should be doing, then you won't be, you won't be doing anything new, for sure. That's one thing. Exactly. And, you know, it's best to try to write that way and then try to correct it, you know. Um, you can always go back and correct it. Yeah, when you're of more of a sound mind. 
Yeah, or just kind of even even trying to do it like in a sober sense, but trying to separate when you are writing freely versus like, well, I'm trying to make this type of track today. I'm trying to make I'm trying to make a hard style track, you know, today. Mm. But um, yeah, you kind of have to play around with it, which kind of also goes around to our next question. Like, you know, I'll start with you, Panic Pop. Again, um, when you're staring at a blank doll. Like, what do you do? Do you usually start with the melody first or are you a drums guy or you have like some patches where you're just like fucking around then? Like, how does how does a song get started with you? Initially, I have a template, honestly. Um, I kind of like have my stuff for my core genres that I stick with. So I already have a lot of things like effects and drums and like some kind of generic bass ready to go so then i guess more so it's just like when i hear a sample out in the wild let's just say like something from an old commercial you know chop it up plug it into my daw well plug it into the daw chop it up and then i just see what it can become so it's kind of good to have an initial framework because i feel like a lot of what zaps your juice is like oh, I have an idea, and then you stare at a, a dead-ass blank dawn, and then you just get, like, caught in the trap of doing the technical crap for an hour and a half, and by the time you're all set up, you're like, and I don't care. So I already have something that has, like, you know, a lot of the traditional stuff set up to some kind of valuable sort of presentation, and then just plug and play for any new element I want to add into the, I guess, the mix. Yeah, I think it's good to, I guess, especially when you start really finding a sound that you want to progress in, in the longer term, I think it's sometimes good to kind of have a little custom drum kit, um, or not even a custom drum kit, just kind of like, so you don't have to go looking for those patches or that sound or sample, you know, um, what about you six? Do you start out with drums or are you, uh, melody guy first yeah um i I think like if i'm really feeling like not creative um i'll try and come up with like an interesting drum groove first which is like nuts like that doesn't happen too too often but like generally what will be the basis of my songs is i'll either come up with like a chord progression and work off of that or what i'll do most of the time and this has sort of been how i've been making music lately is um, using like granular synthesis or like a, a stutter plugin on on a sample or a sound um, that really gives like a sort of the texture I'm going for and maybe like a melodic content as well and then um, write melodies and write drums around that groove and then I find that that's sort of the most natural way to to sort of go from having nothing to having something tangible. Understandable. Yeah. Um, so I guess we'll go back to you, Six Stroke. Uh, too many plugins, not enough plugins? <laughs> um, I mean, that's a tough one because, like, I do have plugins that I don't use, but I'm definitely not, like, a plugin hoarder. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have like a couple plugins that are just so specific to like certain situations that it's rare that I grab them, but then when I do, they're exactly what I'm looking for kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, That's good. <laughs> I'm definitely, 
I know that wasn't this isn't the question, but I I definitely have way too many serum presets. I need to scale back on that. I'm I'm a serum preset hoarder. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I guess that's okay because that's like uh that's kind of like your main, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's the that's the synth I use for pretty much everything. So, I mean, it's nice to have a big library, but at the same time, I find myself kind of I almost run into that problem of like too much choice and then I get caught up not being able to find the sound I want. Mm. It does happen sometimes, but yeah, that's how I feel. Like if you get a, like if you got Ableton and then like it has all the plugins and have all these samples and it's like, now what? <laughs> Where do I start? Uh, what about you? Uh, Panic pop. Do you have, do you use a lot of plugins or do you strictly don't use any plugins? Cause I, I think we've had one person recently. They're just like, I don't use anything. And I'm just like, okay. <laughs> Interesting. You know, so. what are they a band? <laughs> uh, kind of. Um, I want to yeah. say, say that episode may have been um, with uh, Captain TV, uh, like two, three episodes ago. But, but yeah, yeah, I think that was crazy. I mean. So, but yeah, what, do you have any plugins that you use? Like or? no plugins at all. Like this straight up, like they record and then that's it. It's just. Printed. I want to say, I yeah, think, what is he I think they might Audacity? use like a, like a, like a compressor and like a limiter, but like, um, I don't think they use many like, um, plugins. Cause like, I think when they record most of their music, I think the only thing they did use was like, uh, like a guitar amp. Oh yeah, like a type. Uh, I guess it was technically like hardware, but when it comes to like virtual plugins and stuff, I don't think they used any. That's wild. I'm gonna have to listen to that episode, Captain TV. You said, yeah. Um, they, I want to say they recently had a song uh, together with uh, Shay. Hmm. Um. Yeah, I, I want to say it came out maybe last month. It could have been March. I'm not too sure, but cool. Yeah, I'm gonna check that out. That's that's super intriguing. <laughs> yeah, I know, especially if you know, being a producer in today's age, mm -hmm. you know, because most everything is like electronic. Or if you just had a laptop, really, you could have everything you need. You yeah, know, exactly. Sorry to like hijack the question there, Angus. No, no, no. <laughs> um. But yeah, uh, did you did you have any plugins that you favor? Eh, not really. I'm a native plugin guy, as I mentioned. Like I try, I like to keep the recipe too simple because, as I mentioned, like I mean, I have tried to venture out and like you know see if other things can remedy solutions to you know road bumps or roadblocks that I feel like I've come like where my dog couldn't do it, but then just. Doing deeper research, it's like, oh, okay, I guess the doll already does do it. So, I mean, <clears throat> I mean, <laughs> if there's a guy out there doing, like, his thing with no plugins, using native plugins certainly can't be any worse. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm, I honestly use just mostly native uh, plugins, you know, um, native instruments. Like, I don't think I have that many third-party VSTs, really. Because, you know, like Six said, like, if you spend the time to 
uh, you know, look at all your features on your doll, like I'm sure there's something very similar to what you're trying to do, to the, just trying to find an easy a plug and play to, you know, do it for you. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I'm warning you, though, you get the Kilohertz bundle, you won't be using anything else. At least, again, that's just my opinion, but I, I love those plugins, man. Yeah, I'm going to see. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of excited. Um, you know, just to fucking run them through some stuff I'm already working on. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, Panic Pop, do you have any projects coming up, any future shows, any new music or streams that you would like to to speak about we're almost done here by the way guys thank you guys for being uh, <laughs> a wonderful uh guest on our show by the way thank you thank you yeah thank you for having um, us other than the new album i am calling goodbye so soon no other new music that in itself will just be a bundle of stuff that'll hopefully be coming out uh at some point this year in regards to shows um I'm playing a show with Six Stroke next week, the day after his little Texas show. Mm-hmm. Crazy boy. Um, nice. Passiomancy at a funky, witchy tea house. So it is going to be an eclectic mix of uh, artists. And then other than that, you know, I mean... I guess, yeah, <laughs> I feel like I'm just going to, aside from Little Texas, I'm just going to say everything Cohen's going to be saying, because aside from, like, cons that we're playing together, like, yeah, uh-huh. I mean, yeah, we're, we're playing Anime North together in July. We're playing YetiCon in June. Um, could be doing nice. something in July in a place that's not Toronto. Can't really promise or say anything yet on that, Ooh. but, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, new album, hopefully this year, and convention tour with Six Stroke. Let's go. Nice. Um, yeah. Still on you, um, Panic Pop. Uh, who are some artists you'd like to give a shout-out or be a future guest on Third Coast Face Radio? Oh, man. <sighs> I wouldn't even know how you get a hold of this mofo, but Unibeat, he is a slept-on future funk artist who pushes the genre so far. I swear that individual hasn't even listened to future funk. He, someone just told him a vague description of it. And this, this mofo with his year 3000. Is that the one with the at sign in there? Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. So much fire. Oh God. (laughs) Tell me the bad uni beat song. Tell me one bad uni beat song. You can't. No, I got a couple. You got to have a couple of those. Um, Panic Pop, where, well, is that all you, is that all you had to recommend or is there some, some other people that you may be closer with? Oh, oh, yes. Oh, Lucky Talisman. He's in uh, Nightfall Collective with me. One of the best artists in the genre, aggressively slept on in my personal top 10 and not just because he's a friend. That's just a bonus. Yeah. Lucky goes Uh, hard. Lucky does go hard. Show me the bad Lucky song. Show me. Um, but Yeah. A shout out the boys, Future Funk. We be we be doing it uh, on SoundCloud and slowly on Spotify. Yes, y'all are both a, a part of um, Kawaii Base. Yeah, right. Word, word. Where can people find you, uh, Panic Pop? Me, um, at Panic Pop Desu on Twitter. Panic. Oh, remember that? No, I exclamation mark. Exclamation um, mark. 
Exclamation mark. Yeah. So Panic Pop on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Music. You know, you, you use DistroKid. It just pushes it out to everything. So just remember Panic Pop. Word. Word. So Six Stroke. So do you have any uh, future <laughs> shows going on and some new music, some streams? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I have, uh, I'm opening for Lil Texas on the 27th, which is like an insane, like I just, I, I can't even believe that's happening. And Yeah, it's going to be a fun show. He's very humble, but Panic Pop was actually the, the one who hooked me up with that. So much love, man. Thank you so much. Or shout out, Panic Pop. Makes, <laughs> makes so much sense. You, you over I, like what am I going to do? Future Funk, the, the hardcore show? Heck no. We got to send our golden boy in there. Yeah. <laughs> and then on awesome. the tw- on the 28th, uh I'm playing Tassiomancy with uh Panic Pop at Bampod Tea House and then yeah, we're we're playing the conventions, we're playing Anime North. Um YetiCon, I have a um a show potentially set up with the Tiny Waves crew uh for October. Shout out Tiny Waves. Shout out Tiny Waves. I don't want to talk again too much about that, but cuz it's not like a sure thing, but we're we're mm-hmm. setting it up, so we'll see what happens. Oh, I'm excited. But um yeah, and then in terms of new music, I mean I I played a lot of new stuff in the mix and then there was a uh, a little snippet at the end of the mix of just some brand new stuff that I've got in the pipeline and and it's I'm I'm really excited for you guys to sort of hear the full tracks and and um and enjoy them. <laughs> yes, I would love um we might have to have people like basically put <laughs> put their mix like that with like features of some upcoming tracks like that'd be that'd be pretty sick i like that idea you did there oh thanks oh yeah um, i think there's nothing but upcoming music <laughs> there you go it's all it's all word. unreleased people word um uh six stroke is there anyone you would like to give a shout out to or who may be um a great guest to have on the show here yeah um I mean, my buddy Rocket Ship uh, might be a, a great guest. He makes incredibly good uh, digital fusion, punk rock, chiptune stuff. Um, fan, it's like super nice guy. Um, you know, he 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 deserves a lot more attention than than he tends to get on um, Spotify <laughs> and SoundCloud because his stuff just rules. Uh, in terms of other people, I mean, oh man, let me think. Uh, Strawberry Station, another future funk guy. He's uh, another just lovely individual. Bodmon, yeah. rising up the ranks. Yeah, he's rightfully so. Rightfully so. Strawberry and Station. Oh, sorry. Strawberry sorry. Station. Yes. Strawberry, Strawberry Station is just is just a fantastic person, and he's super fun to talk to. So I think he'd be a good fit for this show. Awesome. Awesome. Um, where can people find you, Six? Yeah, in the uh, six. <laughs> yeah, in the six. That's right. Um, yeah, I have a link tree that you can just go to uh, link. Dot, uh, I, what's the URL? Linktr.ee slash six stroke. That's got all my social medias. But yeah, if you just Google six stroke, S I X T R O K E, you can find me pretty much everywhere under that name. And um, yeah, and and stay tuned for some new music. Word. Before we get out of here, um, would y'all like to say your final words, your last piece of wisdom, um, starting with you, Panic Pop? 
Yes. Honestly, as I mentioned earlier, the average person makes the world go round. Becoming an artist, playing shows, and I guess joining a community is not an endeavor bigger than yourself. All you have to do, not all, okay, I'm going to, that's a loaded one there. (laughs) Through your best efforts, don't, don't stop. Have a good head on your shoulders, honor your word, because you'd be surprised. So many people like, you know, showing up for your DJ time slot, playing a song and just not being a horrible person, (laughs) weirdly makes you leagues above in most people. So it's like the bar's already low. But in regards to growth, it's okay to suck for three years while keep on trying in that time and not move any forward. Eventually, you will get through what is holding you back and take a farther step than you did before. But don't, because like, don't let time or perceive like, oh, a year or like people are expecting. No, just when when you're a small and up and coming person, the only person holding any expectations, holding you to any expectations is yourself. Keep on going. Stop. You'd be surprised what you're capable of. Fuck, that's that whole thing is what I was gonna say. <laughs> now you gotta say it again. Oh no! And then we gotta sync our sync our vocals together, overlap them. That's right. Yeah, like a powerful anime speech. We could probably There's do that. The- this, this is not a bit. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, a similar thing. I mean, it's never too late to get started. Um, don't be afraid to suck. I think was one of the points I was going to say, because I know that, you know, it's, it's starting is the hardest part, but once you get past that initial hump of, of your creative vision, it's smooth sailing, you know, and, and there have been so many times where I've been hard on myself and, and no one else is hard on me. I'm only hard on me, you know? So Mm -hmm. you need to just sort of, sit yourself down and really like understand that it's okay to like take time away from music. It's okay to, to maybe find inspiration in unconventional places and use it. You know, it, it's, it's okay to hear a chord progression and go, Oh my gosh, that's amazing. And then take that chord progression and use it in your own song. You know, some people would say, Oh, you can't do that. But if you make it your own, if you can find inspiration in any sort of, facet who like don't stop yourself from using it take it and don't be too hard on yourself about it yeah y'all hear that shit (laughs) don't be hard on yourself (laughs) self-care yeah we definitely nowadays you gotta have you gotta have a lot of that for sure but no i totally agree with both of y'all um i want to say i'm probably a recent you guys have like the better final words um but no, I enjoyed the mixes. You, <laughs> I enjoyed the, the the mixes and the music that you guys have sent to us. Um, it was a very colorful, groovy episode. Um, should be out in a timely manner of this month. You know, not dating us too much. But I really appreciate you guys um, coming on the Third Coast Space Radio, of or more like going on to uh, Six Strokes Discord. So, <laughs> but we we are all here together right now. Um, which is magical, really. Mm-hmm. Thank you for having um, us, man. This is uh, of course it's been tons of fun. Of course, uh, you know, different format from usual, but I think we got through it fairly well. 
I'd say so. Yeah. Um. Right. Any anything other than that? I guess. Uh. I guess that's a a good night and so long. Don't copyright. Don't copyright. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I probably cut that. You said shit it. Out. You said it in the backwards order, so they can't. They can't sue. Oh yeah, true. It's the dyslexia. Yeah. <laughs> so they can't sue. Exactly. But uh, or they might do. You know, it's like lawyer shit. There's always loopholes. Okay. That's true. Um, I actually have to go, so I'm going to disconnect. Cool, cool. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it, and y'all are homies. Yeah, for You're sure. You're the homie. I'm also I'm probably going to take the red pill. And fall Excellent. asleep, or? <laughs> that was from, uh, it was from the Matrix. Oh, excellent. Hopefully so. I thought you were going to get red pilled. All women are no, just not. <laughs> All right, see you yeah, guys. That's almost kind of reality. Later, later, man. Bye. Yo, so there you have it. Third Coast Space Radio, season three, episode twenty-eight. Be sure to like us and the respective artists involved, like always. Yo, super special shout out to Corey, man. I really appreciate you holding it down for this episode. It was fucking great. I love you guys. See you guys soon. Later. Pow, pow, pow.